0: You may not even notice the damage diabetes could be doing to your beautiful eyes. So take charge of your site. Make eye care a priority and talk to an eye care professional today. Learn more at nowic.com. Brought to you by Regeneron. With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales.
1: And we are back on the second hour with uh, Bo Hines. Bo Hines is running in in North Carolina's thirteenth district, if I'm not wrong. And uh, Bo, I guess you can introduce yourself better than than I, can, than I can.
2: Yeah, Noah. Thanks for having me this morning. We are running in the thirteenth district. Uh, we have redistricting on the horizon here in North Carolina, uh, but we should find out what those maps look like in the next month or so. And so uh, after that, we'll we'll know exactly what our lines look like and exactly what our district number is. But as of
1: now it is the 13th. Yeah. First off, shout out to North Carolina. We're probably not going to know until like November. I'm like, why does it take that long? You could have a general idea of what you want to do. But anyway, so I guess, Bo, my real question is, I mean, you're, you're like 26, I think 26, 27 years old. Uh, what really made you say, you know what? I'm tired of living a normal mid twenties life and say, I'm going to go and you know, you've already started getting attacked from the left. Like what made you decide that you wanted to hop into this race?
2: For sure. Well, I mean, this started, you know, quite a while back for me. Um, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Uh, and so just watching the impact the government had on small business owners through regulation and policies really what initially sparked my interest in politics and just watching my family deal with lobbyists and politicians throughout my childhood. Um, but, you know, ultimately I played football at North Carolina State. I was a freshman all American wide receiver there and I decided that after the conclusion of my freshman year I wanted to transfer up to Yale so I went up there and I battled the uh the leftist echo chamber. Uh, I survived, got my degree and came back down to North Carolina for law school, but I had always had my finger on the pulse of North Carolina politics and I knew I wanted to serve in some capacity. I just didn't know what that was going to look like yet. And you know, as the political scene unfolded, I realized that we needed more young people to step up and lead. We needed more people that could spark energy amongst our base especially America first candidates that were leaning more on the populist side that were going to continue to push forward the vision of president Trump.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're exactly right. It's kind of why I got in as well. I do have to ask you a question though, because what do you think, this is a, this is a question I just thought of. So what do you think is, you know, because before president Trump, it seems like none of the Republicans were America first, but now it seems like all the Republicans are. Do you think they were America first before, or do you think that, you know, there's a certain amount of people who are changing, who are, I'm not some of the ones running, some of the ones in office who are changing their mind now. What, what do you really think is happening there?
2: Well, I mean, I think there is a lot of grift in our party. And, you know, politicians will put their finger in the wind and decide which way the wind's blowing oftentimes. But I do think in the 2022 class, you're seeing a wave of America First Patriots are stepping up to run. I mean, you have people like Caroline Levitt in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. uh, you have people like Patrick Witt in Georgia, uh, you have people like Joe Ken out in Washington, Robbie Starbuck in Tennessee. Um, I mean, there's a litany of of new age generation politics uh, that's coming to our party. And I think it's going to revolutionize the Republican Party ultimately.
1: Yeah, I, d- I definitely hope they do. So if you give me, let's say you and I are, let's, let's act like you and I are in an elevator right now. Give me, give me your elevator pitch as to why I should vote for you in the Republican primary.
2: Well, right now we need young people more than ever. I think we need people that are unafraid to stand up to the left. We've given way too much ground. Radical leftists over the past two decades, and we can't afford to do it anymore. We've had stagnancy and complacency in Congress, especially in the Republican Party, even when we've had the majority. So it's time that we elect politicians that will actually stand up, legislate on behalf of the American people, get people back to work, and make sure our economy is sustainable for the next generation.
1: Yeah. So let me let me say this. So I think you get inaugurated, what on like let's just say the seventh. It's January seventh, twenty twenty three. You're a freshman Congressman. What what do you what do you plan on proposing? I know you probably got some idea what you want to propose. I'm sure you're not just going up there to vote for other people's bills. So what do you think that you want to to really propose in in those first couple of uh, months when you get up
2: there? Sure. I mean, I, I definitely think it's time for term limits for career politicians. I mean, I, I don't plan on being a career politician. I don't plan on staying up in D.C. the rest of my life. I would love to see term limits bill passed. I know that some people say it's a fool's errand, but I really don't think it is. I think with this next wave. Of Republicans that are stepping up, we can actually get a bill like that at least passed in the House, and we'll see what happens in the Senate. But, you know, there's a litany of things that we need to attack as our party. Uh, You know, infrastructure is a huge thing, especially in rural districts like mine. Making sure that every student has access to broadband, making sure they can access a virtual classroom. I mean, it was a disaster during the pandemic for many parents and students. They were basically left out of the educational scene uh, for over a year. Um, in, in the 21st century America, we should never have students that, that don't have access to the internet. I mean, that's that's the key to learning in today's day and age. Um, but ultimately, we have to repeal a lot of regulation. We have to we have to make sure that we're not paying people to sit at home anymore. I mean, as I travel the district and meet with business owners, they can't find labor anywhere. I mean, it's, an abs- it's absolutely appalling what our government's doing. You know, I, I heard a statistic the other day that I'm pretty sure that you know two parents with two children. Uh, that are taking every government benefit they can collect are or, or getting paid over 120 thousand dollars a year. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. We have to fix this in order to jumpstart our economy again, instead of having this stagnant rising inflation. That's a pretty good gig.
1: I might have to take them up on that 120. You said 120 k a year? Shoot, I, I take... believe so. Yeah, you might you
2: might have to fact check that. I might need to take that's...
1: them up on that one. No, I, I yeah. think I, I do think you're right though. I, I I think the reason the founders didn't put it in the first place is because at the time being in Congress sucked. Okay. Who wanted to get on a horse from South Georgia and ride a horse all the way up to Washington? I know I wouldn't, you couldn't be no, exactly right. But I think yeah. in the modern day with, with planes and with all this stuff. Yeah. I think you hundred percent should be able to, uh, to, to institute term limits because you're trying to tell me at 800,000 people, you can't find one person who wants to go up there. I think you're hundred <laughs> percent right. Um, so kind of tell me what, you know, obviously I'm, 20, you're 26. I think you and I, people like you and I have a different view of conservatism. What do you really see? If you have to take a thing 20 years from now, right? We we teleport 20 years from now in that elevator I was telling you about before that we were in. Where would you, what what do you say, like what do you think conservatism is going to look like then?
2: Well, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot more inclusive. I think it's going to be focused on opportunity and it's going to be focused on optimism. I mean, our party presents you know, the policy perspectives that benefit all Americans, but we have not effectively communicated that. And so we've lost the culture war. I I think that we're going to be a lot more focused on putting our own country first, you know, politicians have been coming around for decades and they've made us so many promises. They promised that they're going to be fiscally responsible. They promised they're going to secure our border. They've promised to reinvest back into our communities. They've, they've promised to protect our rights. And we have to take a hard look at where we are right now. I mean, we have $30 trillion in debt. We have rampant illegal immigration. We have crumbling infrastructure. And we're watching the left try to strip our rights away before our eyes. We can't afford to do this any longer. So I think the next generation of conservatism is going to be a lot more steadfast in defending our values, defending those liberty interests, and defending freedom.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I do want to ask you a question because this is you know, somewhat breaking news. What, what was your thoughts coming out of that Texas, uh, Texas uh, Supreme Court decision yesterday?
2: Well, I mean, I, I was very pleased with it. Um, honestly, I was, I was a little bit shocked and concerned because, um, initially when we've been watching, you know, a lot of these controversial rulings, we've, we've seen some, some flakes on the conservative, right on the court, uh, vote with the left. And I was really hopeful that wasn't going to happen yesterday. And I'm very pleased that it didn't.
1: Yeah. I'm, I I am too. I don't know how I feel about the provision that like a citizen like you and I could sue. I, I don't know how I feel about that, but, um, I I definitely think it's a good step. Um, because I think, I think, we used the right put Roe v. Wade as the big target. I think it really needs to be planned uh, parenthood v. Casey first. You know, because Undo Burt, I hate legal rulings that are broad. Like, if you look at Brown versus Board of Education, it said you have to uh, desegregate as soon as rep- as possible without putting, like, an inconvenience on you or something like that. It's like, okay, some schools, that was in 1954. Some schools didn't even segregate for 15 years later. Um, but I think you're 100% right. In terms of, you know, this could be something that really leads it. A lot of people say that abortion is a state issue. I personally don't think it is. I think protecting life is a national issue. That's kind of one of the things the federal government is supposed to do, is protect life. Um, I know a lot of And I totally
2: agree with that. I mean, I I think that, you know, Republicans that are not willing to stand up and say abortion is murder, and we have to protect the lives of the unborn, should not be in office, period.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're—I have this thing. It's called the hypocrisy standard, right? And so, what you do is you take a label, right? Label could be Trump and Obama. Take it, something like that, right? So it's like, let's take it like this, right? If I, if if a liberal, if I said to a liberal, you know, Trump wants to build a wall, and they said that's racist, right? If I can, if I take that and I say Obama wants to build a wall, Obama wanted to build a wall, it changed the name, right? So, for instance, the left wants to be able to kill babies that aren't uh, the left wants to be able to uh, kill babies that have down syndrome uh, before they're born something like 80% right and they're like oh yeah that's right because down syndrome terrible this at the other if I turn in and say the left wants to kill black babies because they're inferior now all of a sudden they're like oh wait 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 a minute so I think that once you start looking at this all human life is human life there probably needs to be a constitutional amendment to protect this that's obviously way down the road but I think as we go forward, more and more Americans are starting to become more and more pro-life. They're not necessarily 100% pro-life. Maybe they're at 12 weeks instead of 20 weeks or 24 weeks. But I think you're 100% right. And I, I'm tired of Republicans who are saying that this should be left to the states, that these states are going too far. Because I think that one of the core tenets of conservatism, you know, kind of getting back to that big tent conservatism, is you want low taxes, you're pro-life, and you're pro-gun. We can, we can debate about anything else.
2: For sure. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And ultimately, there there's just no room for flakes in the conservative movement on, on, on the issue of abortion. I mean, we need people that are going to stand up for life. And, you know, ultimately, this this isn't a state issue or a federal issue. This is a moral issue. And it's one that we have to lead the charge on. I mean, I think in generations to come, people will look back on the amount of abortion that we've had in our country. And let's say this is one of the greatest genocides in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, we I know that you and I are on the right side of this issue. And it should, it's absolutely imperative that we stand up and fight back against the left that's pushing for, for radical abortion. I mean, think about the fact that you have a governor of, of Virginia that openly supported <laughs> yeah. I mean, po- post-birth abortion, which is unbelievable. Uh, I mean, that's just blatant, outright murder.
1: Yeah, what do you say? Like, as it's coming down the canal, you can stick a fork in its head or something? No, it was, it was absolutely crazy. And then he didn't remember if he wore blackface or wore a KKK outfit. So I don't even know if we can trust him. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and then you have uh, you have Kamala and Biden out there on the stump for now. So the hypocrisy of the left shines bright, doesn't it?
1: I, I really think Virginia, because it's a, one of the Virginia is like the only state that has that like off year like twenty twenty one election, and I think that because of how bad uh, how bad they're polling, the amount of veterans in Virginia, I think I think Youngkin probably will win that one, um, and I really do hope so because Virginia is a very pretty state. And if you get outside that D.C. bubble, which I'm sure you'll 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 know once you, uh, you know, get up there in Congress, because once you get out of Fairfax, Alexandria, places like that, it's a super conservative state.
2: Oh, I definitely believe that. And I, I hope you're right, because we we need a buffer around North Carolina. Uh, the leftist <laughs> creep is starting to scare me a little bit in my state. So I, w- I would greatly appreciate seeing Virginia flip back to the other side.
1: Hey, you're more than welcome to come down to Georgia anytime. I mean, Patrick Witt, I, he's, he's a good friend of mine, too. Uh, I. And then, uh, no, I think you're right, though, about this this crop of new America first, different type, you know, they're not the, they're a different type of candidate. They're not, oh, yeah, I did my time in the state legislature and the state senate and the congressman's retiring and now it's my turn. Uh, like, I know a guy right now running in Georgia named Latham Sadler, who uh, is very similar to that. I mean, served uh, in the Trump White House as a the, the black ops director, served on the SEAL team as the black ops director and did all this stuff uh help with the criminal justice he's running and i know that i felt bad for him at first because he wouldn't be able to get his name on a statewide race but people are being i think people are being very open to not only new candidates but young candidates i mean I, he told me that a lot of old people are starting to say you give us hope and i'm sure you're hearing the same thing on the trail are you, are you hearing that that on the trail
2: oh for sure and i was actually speaking with patrick yesterday and we were just exchanging some notes from you know stem speeches we're giving across our districts and He's hearing the same thing, and that's why I think 2022 is going to be really shocking for a lot of people. And honestly, I give a lot of credit to uh, Congressman Cawthorn, who led the charge in NC 11. Um, I really do think that he created a lane for for young people to step up and lead. And it's it's going to be really exciting to see. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, he wasn't supposed to win that. I mean, Meadows, the outgoing congressman, endorsed somebody completely different, if I if I am correct, right?
2: Sure, and President Trump, um, which most people view as a primary killer, but I, I think that you know a lot of a lot of conservatives are are just fed up with, you know, the the old guard. They're fed up with the torch passing that happens in a lot of these congressional seats. Um, they want new new fresh voices that they haven't seen before, and they want people that are not in this, you know, for for the fame or or in it so that they can make money after they retire. They want people that are dedicated to actually serving our country. I mean, really, just true patriots. And I I ultimately think that's what President Trump wants as well. Um, it's just that he's having to evaluate so many races across the country.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's, I, I actually, I know there was somebody whose job it was to do that, to say, Oh, this is who you should endorse. This is who you should endorse for most of these things. Right. Cause we, I mean, we had a race down here in Georgia, um, where, you know, there was, uh, the, the incumbent congressman who wasn't a terrible congressman and then, uh, an army, uh, an army reservist co-founder of nine line apparel. And, uh, you know, young guy, one South's greatest bosses, you know, guy was like early 40s and Trump endorsed the in incumbent congressman. And it's like, did he, though? Because, you know, you know, it did he or did, you know, somebody pull the strings and do that. Right. That That's the big question, because I think if Trump truly would have looked at that race, he'd have been like, oh, this Madison Cawthorn guy is pretty cool. Um, but Oh, for
2: sure. We'll see. A and lot. Now they're now they're very close friends. So. Exactly. And I really do think it's just it's so hard for that that team um, to evaluate each one of these races uh, and it's like very scrutinized because, you know, every state is so different. Every district is so different. And I think the president's really doing his best in this cycle to to find the right candidates. And I I think that he will. He's got Um, got more open time now, for sure. And I'm I'm really excited to see what they're going to do in a lot of these congressional races across the country.
1: Yeah, and I was talking to a congressional candidate. I'm not sure if you know his name, Rich McCormick. Um, he, he was endorsed by, like, every major Republican last year uh, in Georgia 7th, which is going to be a battleground this year. And I told him, you know, if Biden keeps this up, you should win by 70 points because Democrats just – I'm meeting a lot of Democrat. I met one, my, one of my family members, actually, uh, grew up three doors down from Joe Biden when they were kids, and he voted for Joe Biden, you know, all 17, 15, 17 elections when he was in uh, the Senate and everything like that. And he said, you know, I'm not voting for Biden next time. I'm voting for the Republican next time because Biden's just absolutely incompetent and he's out of his mind. So I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of districts switch either because Democrats are turning Republican or because Democrats just flat out don't want to vote for Biden or the Democratic Party right now.
2: No, I agree. I mean, I think you're going to see, a lot of people in the Democratic Party, especially on the moderate left, stay home or vote for Republicans in 2022 as well as in 2024. I mean, people are already fed up. You know, they're they're paying more for gas at the pump. They see how far less their dollar goes at the store. Um, I mean, these are things that impact real people. And ultimately, they impact our economy as a whole. I mean, it's just it's it's not sustainable the way that we're pushing down this road right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I was talking to Congressman Allen for the DA-12, and he was like, you know, President Trump told him that, you know, if we can get over this hump, I plan on I plan on paying all this stuff back next term. But uh, I don't think Biden's going to make it through the term, so I don't think he has any plans to pay any of this money back that will eventually, you know, it's like you keep swiping on your credit card until the credit card company comes to your house. And yeah. I feel like that... I feel like the debt company is in its car on the way to the White House right now. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there, but I know it will not be good. There will be some bad times ahead, similar to the 2008-ish recession.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, we ultimately, we're pushing the bill uh, to to our generation of kids, right? I mean, this is, this is going to be uh, a long-lasting impact. And I don't really think we can actually forecast what the ramifications of this debt are going to be. We just know they're not going to be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you're 100 right. I do. Have, I have you for a few minutes. I gotta ask you a question. Who who you think is going to win this weekend, Clemson or UGA?
2: Oh man, you know I played in the ACC, so my, my loyalty does lie with the ACC, and I'm gonna have you go play. You played
1: for one year and then you transferred. Don't don't pull that. <laughs> tell me your tell me what you believe.
2: I I I'm I'm gonna go with Clemson. I hate to score, say it. Is there a score uh, prediction? I think it's going to be tight. I'm going to say I think it's going to be low 30, scoring. I'm going to say 31 to 28.
1: I See, I said the same thing, but UGA 31, Clemson 28. That's what I said personally.
2: It'll be interesting. And honestly, I, I think it could go either way. I mean, it's it's hard to forecast games in week 1 because you never know what you're going to get.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that does give uh, UGA the advantage is that JT the, the quarterback has played meaningful snaps uh and uh DJ has only played when they were up by like a million points or up or he played that one game when uh Trevor had covid and they put, were playing a terrible team. So I don't know, it'll, it'll be really interesting. Any picks on who you think will be the, you know, could win will be in the t- conversation for the national. I know like a lot of my listeners love college football figured. Might as well get your opinion. This is the most controversial thing you'll say all interview.
2: <laughs> I think that I mean obviously Bambas is going to be up there. Um, I I think that Clemson really does have a shot. I think that Georgia does as well. I mean, I I really think that there's probably five or six teams that are going to be duking it out at the end of the year. Um, We'll just have to see how it unfolds, but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I I think that Clemson's probably the only ACC contender. Um, To be honest with you, I wasn't super impressed by Ohio state last night. Um, I don't think they're going to survive in the top five very long, especially as they hit the brunt of their schedule here for the next four weeks. But Okay. Um, Once they lost, I think I think I think bulldog fans, if they can get past this game, they have a lot to look forward to this year.
1: Oh, they're our toughest opponent for the for the rest of the year. I mean, outside of them, our next toughest opponent is probably like Kentucky. Um, so then, <laughs> but then we got to play. You know, probably let's be honest, probably Alabama in the SEC championship, and that'll be interesting. It really, it really will. But Bo, please tell people where they can find you, where they can donate, make I don't know, make phone calls, whatever they need to do.
2: Yeah, for sure. So you can reach out via our website. It's bo4nc.com, both and number 4nc.com. And then follow us on social. On Twitter, it's at Bo On Instagram, it's bohinesnc. Um, You can donate via our website, but don't hesitate to reach out. We're looking for volunteers. We have overwhelming support in our district, and I think we're the clear frontrunner in this race. So we're going to continue to keep our foot in the gas, and we'll be traveling throughout the district over the next eight months.
1: Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. We'll have to do one of these from your congressional office when you win, okay?
2: That sounds good. I appreciate it, Noah. Awesome.